We are live. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to Breaking Into Cybersecurity. I know it's been a while since we've done this particular version of the episode. We've been doing CISO Thursdays. We've been doing some special editions. Um, but we're coming back to our core, where we're talking about helping individuals and sharing stories of those who have just broken into the industry. And today's kind of a blend of a special edition of um, highlighting a special series or a special program, um, as well as focusing on those that are just breaking in. So today I have Lynn from Wesis and Marta from Smoothstack and they'll be sharing uh, an interesting uh, venture that they've done together. And it really helps promote um, the diversity and inclusion that we've been talking about so much on this program because uh, we need that in order to be successful as an industry, um, not only because it allows us to challenge the conventional thinking, but as well as to be able to be more fluid in our approach. Um, so with that, first I want to introduce Lynn. She's going to talk about Wesis and uh, give a little backstory there. Great. Thank you so much, Chris. It's a pleasure to be on your show today. And I love sharing the Wesis story and most importantly, the Veterans Apprenticeship Program because it's a newly launched program and um, we're all very enthusiastic and excited about it. So like Chris said, my name is Lynn Dome. I'm Women in Cybersecurity Executive Director. We often go by our acronym WICYS and as WESIS, uh, which is like pronounced like we sisters. And so we're a member-based organization. We're a 501c3 nonprofit. We have over 5,000 members in 70 countries. We have 38 professional affiliates in Africa, Australia, India, Canada, France, Pakistan, the UK, and the United States, and 130 student chapters in Canada, Costa Rica, India, Nigeria, the Puerto Rico, and throughout the United States. And so our mission is to recruit, retain, and advance women in cybersecurity, and we do so by creating opportunity. We started back in 2014 as a conference. Dr. Amberine Siraj at Tennessee Tech University reached out to NSF and received some funding for the first ever Women in Cybersecurity Conference. I just, I, it's hard for me to even believe that prior to 2014, such a conference didn't exist. You know, it's very, we're very grateful that we've grown and we've even become the nonprofit that we are because of these very humble beginnings of just launching off as a, as a woman in cybersecurity conference. So she was able to engage with that money over 900 women in cybersecurity the first two years of funding. And then after that, through a lot of hard work, through a lot of company um, coordination and the community, she was able to to continue to support the conference and the community of WESIS. So you fast forward to the 2020 conference, the conference that we had to cancel, but we sell out registration in less than a day. And that's very typical of WESIS. We we're at full capacity at 1,650 attendees. And um, we sold out in less than a day. January 20th is when we opened up registration at 10 a.m. And by five o'clock, we're at full capacity. So we are a significantly large Women in Cybersecurity Conference. But regardless of gender, we are the nation's largest cybersecurity conference that has equal representation of students and professionals. And that's a model that's really tried and true to Dr. Siraj's heart and adds so much value and depth to the actual technical conference that WESIS is. And so for every single regular registrant, for the WESIS conference, we issue a female cybersecurity student 
scholarship. Um, and so we control the growth of the conference very slowly through the years to make, ensure that we're securing the funding in advance and that we're always able to hold this, this model and sustain it as we're moving forward. So because the conference sells out so fast and our wait list grows in the hundreds within like an hour or so of closing registration, we realized and recognized that there's a need for year-round benefits for women in cybersecurity. So the one and done conference, what just wasn't enough for the entire broad scope of the community's needs. So that's when we became a, a nonprofit in August of 2018. And so our mission is to recruit, retain, and advance women in cybersecurity. We do so by creating opportunities. The conference is still a really important initiative of ours. And we have scholarships, grants, and awards for that conference. Registration for the um, conference coming up, which is uh, uh, September 8th through the 10th. Registration for that will be opening up in June. And there's lots of opportunities for companies and communities to still get involved with that conference. So if anyone that is listening has any questions, they could always feel free to reach out to me and I'll provide them more information about that. But now being a nonprofit, we have this big, over 5,000 member-based organization. We have an online member form where all our members can network and connect with each other. They could join a special interest group such as Latinas in Cybersecurity or Data Privacy or Cybersecurity Law. And if they don't find a special interest group that suits their needs, they could go ahead and launch their own special interest group. We have all sorts of virtual and in-person career fair and events. We have skill development training programs such as the SAN Security Training Scholarship made possible by Google. We have, um, we have the AWS Learning Series for beginner, intermediate, and advanced WESIS members. We have gamified cybersecurity challenges made possible by Target and all sorts of new initiatives, skill development programs that are in the pipeline for 2021. So if you're ever on our website under initiatives, skill development training programs, they're popping in there all the time. So always keep an eye out for that. We have newsletters, webinars, um, Cyber Talent Emergency Fund that's available for students that are in cybersecurity that truly have a financial emergency like a medical expense, dental expense, their car breaks down, whatever their needs may be. We don't want anything to deter them from finishing up that semester and keep the momentum going so they could apply and receive up to $599 within 48 hours. So it truly is an emergency that they have to fix their car. We could get that funding and, and get that over to them quickly so they could um, take that financial burden and stress off of them. We offer speaking and media opportunities because we want our members to showcase their talent, build up their profile, be out there, be, be what others can see and you know rise collectively together and thrive in, in their cybersecurity careers. A job board plus plus is a big part of the WESIS organization where our strategic partners recruit from year round. They post their jobs in. All our members have the opportunity to up load their profiles, upload their resumes, and also get recruited from in the Job Board Plus Plus. We participate in market research. Um, right now we're working with our strategic partners and conference sponsors. They have formed working groups from a leadership summit that we had in May of 2020 and we'll be having again September 8th of 2021. And the market research has really taken a deep dive and a look on the successful and unsuccessful strategies for women as, as they um, advance like the, the challenges for women in cybersecurity, such as advancement, inclusion, pipeline, and transitioning. We have leadership summits, leadership series. We have a strong veterans apprenticeship program. 
which I'm going to talk about in just a second. Speakers Bureau, Racial Equity Committee, a real great mentor-mentee program. I love the mentor-mentee program. I'm in it as a mentor. I'm going through the curriculum along with my mentees. We have 707 mentees, 185 mentors. It's a 12-month structured framework. We develop the curriculum to upskill and up-level women no matter where they're at in their careers, preparing them for their next level of, of advancement. So our next cohort application will be open August of this year, and it, that's on our website as well. So but the reason why you brought us here, Chris, was for the Veterans Program. You could tell I'm very enthusiastic about WESIS, and I love sharing like all the opportunities that you know, you know, lies within the WESIS organization. So, the Veterans Apprenticeship or Apprenticeship Program actually started as like a, a Veterans Assistance Program. Mm -hmm. In 2019, we launched it um, with Dr. Amelia Eswick. She is a WESIS member, and the original funding was from Craig Newmark Foundation, and it was to launch an assistance program for veterans within the WESIS community. It was fabulous. Um, we have. Um, uh, subsidized veteran membership. They could also have discounted conference registration. Mm -hmm. But with that funding, we were able to issue veteran fellowship awards to bring them to the WESIS conference, as you know, since it's a technical conference and all the opportunity to get recruited and, and to do advance in that realm. And so since then, we've also added military spouses to that, to that discounted program. But then we started exploring of what would an apprenticeship program look like for WESIS? And that exploration started in January of 2020. And we met with some key stakeholders and strategic partners of ours. And we um, all met in uh, Texas of last year in January. And a DOL was there and we're like, okay, WESIS, their next step is we want this DOL certified Veterans Apprenticeship Program. It's a fantastic idea. We have the support of everyone involved. Um, we brainstormed some unique ideas. And then from there, we're exploring of what would this apprenticeship program look like and how could we make this happen? Mm -hmm. uh, and through that process, being like a nonprofit that's mindful of our resources, we're never about reinventing the wheel. We're about partnering. And so when I was like exploring all these different ways that we could be a DOL certified apprenticeship program, I came across all these really, really, really successful DOL certified apprenticeship programs. And mm -hmm. I was like, well, instead of us going through all of this and becoming our own, why don't we partner on already successful programs to make additional opportunities happen quicker and, and better? So since there's already a proof of concept. And so last year I started shifting our focus um, and the whole veterans committee started shifting our focus on looking at what those partnerships would look like. And that's when we came across SmoothStack. So we decided that SmoothStack is gonna be our DOL certified apprenticeship partner. And, um, and then we started looking at holistically the needs of female veterans within our community. So females make up, female veterans make up 10% of the veteran population. They have a higher likelihood of unemployment compared to the male veterans and higher instances of single parenting compared to the male veterans. So we were looking at, it's just so much more that the community needs than, okay, we'll pay for your training, we'll get paid for an apprenticeship program, we'll get you employed. There's steps along the way. If you're unemployed and you're a single parent, there's more needs at that. So holistically, the support of the entire program comes from an approach of, 
how we work with our veterans within our community to give them the support that they need, the mentors they need, the communication channels that are necessary for success, perhaps perhaps some resources for childcare or for technology. And then we take that program and start molding it from there. So that's a little bit about us. I know I was long-winded. <laughs> I mean, it sounds like uh, WESIS provides so many different resources in so many different areas that um, we could go and and discuss a little more. But um, I want to bring on Martha so that she could talk about um, SmoothStack's uh, Smooth involvement in this program. Martha, you want to introduce yourself? and. <laughs> Yes. Hi. Thank you. Um, I get so wrapped up when, when Lynn talks because um, we're both so passionate about the same thing. Um, I would say so. Um, my name is Martha Lofman. Thank you for having me on the show. Um, I am really an industrial organizational practitioner whose passion is um, workforce and jobs and cybersecurity. And I think that, you know, for both Lynn and I, this is such a personal topic and we we actually have cried on several podcasts and we get emotional talking about it because, you know, it's it's not just a job. It's about individual health, and mental health and your family health and health in the community and economic health. And there's so much that is connected, you know, all life domains cross your ability to provide for yourself. And it's not just money, right? It's like, how do you feel at work? Do you feel like you're contributing? Do you enjoy what you're doing? Are you being valued? And, you know, it's, it's been a, several years now that we've been hearing the same narrative over and over and over again, that there's a negative unemployment rate in cybersecurity. And I think for a lot of us, you know, probably you, Chris, and certainly Lynn and I, when our mission is to help people get employment in cyber and they're doing all of the right things that, you know, people say you need to do to get the job and then they're still unemployed. And I think, how does that make them feel? Like, how would it make me feel if I've done A, B and C and I'm unemployed, and then I hear on the news there's a negative unemployment rate. I'm gonna internalize that and feel bad about myself. Like, what is so wrong about me that I can't get a job when they're desperate for people to get that job? And so I think it's really taken us as a community to turn it around and look at ourselves and say, you know, what are we missing here? Um, is there really a talent gap? Is there, you know, are these jobs really available? And if the jobs really are available and the talent is there and willing, then what is our responsibility to create those pathways? And, you know, that's where, you know, I, um, you know, Lynn and I are very like-minded. I think that, you know, people use the, you know, the term workforce development very loosely. And when people mostly talk about workforce development, um, they're talking about awareness. So, you know, just talking in general, like, oh, more women should be in cyber. You know, it's great. Yay. You know, women go do this. And I kind of my brain shuts down when I hear too much of that awareness narrative going on. Um, I'm much more of a doer. And so when I met Lynn last year, the first time I corresponded with her was when I tried to get into her conference and it sold out after one day. And I thought, <laughs> excuse me, you can't reject me. Do you know who I am? No, I'm kidding. I didn't think that. <laughs> I was like, you know, I, I emailed her um, and, you know, it, I got bounced around to multiple women in the WESIS organization and they were instantly very helpful and open up their doors and were like, oh, we can get you a booth and all this stuff. So I just I realized instantly that WESIS is such a group of doers. 
um, the way that they're organized, their responsiveness and their mission. And that for me is all I care about. I want to be connected and promote um, this idea of creating channels and legitimate pathways to get anyone, but, you know, especially women into these legitimate roles. And that's what we have here with WESIS. Um, the apprenticeship pathway, which I think mm -hmm. you're interested in. Um, I don't know if you've had too many conversations with people about this before. Um, but, you know, if you ask most people, what is their knowledge of apprenticeships? They're going to say, you know, construction workers, right? And electricians. Mm -hmm. And that's really historically how America has skilled our skilled labor force is through apprenticeship pathways. And I think all of us can kind of look at it today and say, you know, what is our new skilled labor here in, in the U.S.? And it's it's IT professionals, right? It's cybersecurity. And that's not just the skilled labor of today. That's like moving forward into the future. You know, our infrastructure needs to transition from physical into the world of technology and cyber and IT. And so having to take the model, the apprenticeships, which have been used since, you know, caveman days <laughs> and dad taught son how to build that fire and then into you know electricians and people building bridges and the three c's and all of that you know transitioning that into what does a modern apprenticeship look like it's it's interesting because so many people think apprenticeships are new and employers don't want to do anything that's new right so employers very much want to stick with a model they know very well which is um one of two ways in cyber it's either going to that 10% of universities you're used to getting talent from, um, competing over the same students, and then internally training them because they don't have any hands on the keyboard experience. Or if you don't have that internal training or you want someone more seasoned, you wait until they're good, at least you know three, six years into it, and then you hire that four-year degree with six years experience and certification level. And now you're poaching your neighbor's talent over and over and over again because no one knows what to do. And this really leaves those small and micro businesses and nonprofits completely exposed because now they have to use, you know, offshore talent and um, not, not that offshore talent is bad by any means, but it, it leaves them exposed in the sense that they don't have someone internally that now they have to, um, you know, use a service. And so um, apprenticeships is my answer. Um, and I'm gonna give full credit to the United States Army for this. <laughs> I think that, um, you know, if, if you know apprenticeships, there's a difference between a registered apprenticeship with the Department of Labor and what I call lowercase a apprenticeship. Anyone can use the term apprenticeship and say, oh, I have an apprenticeship and they can do whatever they want. We're talking about a registered Department of Labor apprenticeship, which has compliance and certain components to it. And you have to meet a very specific programmatic structure that they have. And so we pair within that structure training, mentorship um, and on the job experience at paid living comparable wages, professional wages that are scalable. And then at the end of it, um, you're able to be, you know, an apprenticeship language, we'd call you the journeyman, right? You're able to, you know, get more, you know, get more skills as you go up the ranks in the years, and then you're full fledged in the system. And the way that it's designed is that you shouldn't have to pay, right? It's not like an academic program where you pay to go to school, and then you go get the job. An apprenticeship should pay you. So if anyone's out there, and you're looking at different apprenticeship models, and they say, oh, come be our apprentice, 
give me $20,000. And then at the end of it, we'll see if we can get you a job. I want you to go, okay, this doesn't really fit the spirit of an apprenticeship. And I'm going to look into it a little bit more because to me, that sounds like a boot camp um, that is trying to act like an apprenticeship. And I'm very weary of anything that feels, I don't want to say scammy, if that feels um, not like a good deal for all parties involved, right? If it sounds too good to be true on any end and you can't figure out the ROI for any party, that's kind of where my red flags go up and I go, uh. So here's how the army designed this because the number one comment I get when I go to conference, Remember when there's conferences like pre-COVID? <laughs> yes, yes. I, I'm, I'm looking forward to it coming back. And hopefully with uh, Black Hat happening this summer, we can have some in-person uh, summer camp this year. Are you going to Black Hat? Uh, hoping to. <laughs> that's a little bit, um, I feel like, too fun for me. I'm like more of the nerd that's like hiding in like the speaker's lounge. <laughs> um, so yeah, I used to be a conference junkie. And I go to these conferences and I would get on my soapbox and promote, oh, dupe. I, I was the cyber apprenticeship girl, basically, right? Mm -hmm. um, like one of three women at the conference talking about apprenticeships. And I get the same question every time, which is like, well, that's never been successful. It's not a successful model, so we're not going to do it. And I feel like I had this great slide I wish I had here, but the Army, which has been responsible, the military has been responsible for training over 30% of our cyber professionals in the U.S., and the way that the Army does it, which is our biggest employer of cybersecurity professionals, is absolutely an apprenticeship-like program. So the Army recruits in um, underrepresented populations, and I'm going to call them employment drought areas. They recruit everywhere, right? They're not looking at the traditional, I'm going to go to college and get a four-year degree. They're looking at recruiting everyone everywhere, and they give them an assessment to figure out what they're talented in. And if they have a natural aptitude in cyber or tech, then the army trains them and they pay them to get this training. And in return, you do so many years working for the army and you get mentorship. If you're in the military, the army, you're laughing at me. If I say, oh, your E5 was your mentor and you got scalable wages. But even though you may not have thought of it that way as a workforce program, the way that they implement their designing, their, their design of their training absolutely is an apprenticeship-like program. And that's what we do. So SmoothStack has partnered with WESIS for our cybersecurity registered apprenticeship program. We're federally registered. We are specifically looking to recruit women, veterans um, all across the United States. Um, we, however, do not let someone into the program just because you hit that, you check that box. Um, we're very selective. And so we only end up taking about 8% of the applicants. And the reason for that is because we don't want to be a diversity program. We want to be a tier one talent provider to our employer partners um, so we can grow and have longevity in our program and what we're doing, right? So we are using what's called the CATA. It's the same cybersecurity assessment that the Air Force uses for their cyber operators. And we're working with a great company um, in order to, um, to provide that service to us. So we are giving everyone CATA. We're going through and giving them a net plus practice exam. I'm doing soft skill interviews. We have a great team that does technical interviews. And we make sure that we're getting the best of the best from all of our applicants. Then we give everyone a full-time job upfront day one. So it's not like, hey, prove to me you can do this. Like we're putting our faith in them. We're employing them day one. 
and paying them training wages while they go through up to 14 weeks of training. So our training is comp competency-based. We don't want to waste anyone's time. You know, at whichever point they, you know, move through the different modules and they get there, they get there. It's live training. We have a virtual sock that we're using. It's very hands-on. And so if you think of, you know, typically you go to a school and, you know, maybe you have to learn like Linux or Golang and, you know, NetPlus and you have all these different courses. You're getting those courses from us too, but you're getting it in the project work that you're doing and being supplemented by training. It's not like training and then there's project work. So we're taking that scholar practitioner model and we're flipping it. So it's very practitioner heavy. And we're doing that for up to 14 weeks. And then our apprentice, um, our female veteran apprentice will be demoing their projects for the WESIS strategic partners that are part of this. And I'll let Lynn talk more about that and who they are. Um, and then the employers get to, um, well, Smoosec is the employer, but there are employer partners. So they will be working on a project with them. They pick what apprentice are gonna be working on their projects. In this case, everyone is remote other than a few jobs in New York City, everyone's working remote, which if you are a military veteran and you're a woman, um, chances are that either you don't want to relocate because the military has spun you around in many different places, or maybe you're married to someone who's in the military and you don't have the chance to relocate. So offering remote positions in someone's profession is, yeah, exactly. It's, you know, I could talk, I could do a whole conversation. I've interviewed a hundred women um, for apprenticeships, a hundred women veterans. And I would say 20% actually break down in tears because they're just so emotional at having the opportunity. Um, mm -hmm. It's very meaningful. So then we put them on project for two years. And during that two years, um, they're going to be paired with a WESIS mentor and in the WESIS mentorship program, they get to earn additional certifications. Um, through, you know, CompTIA, we have a platform that we are a membership with, and they'll be, you know, having a chance to, you know, also work on professional development. And we have different project partners, everything from blockchain um, development, you know, all the way up through, um, you know, penetration testing and intelligence. So you name it, it's not just the job that they're getting paid for and full benefits, it's the mentorship and the training and certifications. Um, and I'm gonna take a breath because now I just talked for a really long time, um, but, <laughs> I, I love it. Um, so a, a couple, I have a couple of great questions. Um, mm -hmm. One, when it comes to the actual apprenticeship programs, is there focus areas that are, say, on infrastructure, on security, on uh, different aspects of IT? Or like, how do they go through that program from a, a hands-on perspective? And then uh, the follow-up question is then working with the WESIS partners, like, do they get to specialize in those areas that they choose in those projects? Yeah, so good question. Um, so I think what you're getting at is um, what we all say in cybersecurity, it's an industry, it's not a job. And so if anyone's like, I work in cybersecurity, I'm kind of like, okay, yeah, whatever. Like, what do you do? Like, right? Um, because there's 10,000 jobs in cybersecurity. Um, so the way that we work is um, frequently we have, um, so right now, for example, with this, we have knock analysts with this batch. We have knock analysts, SOC analysts, SRE, GR, uh, governance risk and compliance, GRC, and pen testing all rolled into one. Um, and that probably sounds like that's not possible. <laughs> Only about a 
third to 50% of the training in the very beginning, um, they're going to be in the same training, but then they're working on projects um, where they're going to have different roles and different mentors on the projects that they're working on. So when you're in a traditional class, um, it's really difficult to specialize. Like if you're teaching a Linux class, you're teaching a Linux class. Right. Um, but if you have people on project and you can have different people taking on different positions or even working on different projects and assigned to different teams, that's how we do it. And so um, it's it it's a little it's complicated, but it's more like a work environment and less like a boot camp, if you will. Um, and then they can do additional training on their own and be with their mentor and the actual job project that they get assigned to for their two year job is all you know going to be in their specialization. Lynn and I have talked a lot about like what happens if um, one of our WESIS apprentice get assigned to say being a knock analyst, but they really want to do governance risk and compliance, um, which I talk about a lot because that's my cyber personality. If I was going to go full time into cyber, that's what I would do. Um, and so that's where I think the mentorship and the professional development really come in. You know, you may be assigned to that, you know, knock analyst role for the two years, but you know, you can do the professional development the certifications and the mentorship can all be focused on what your next role is going to be. And I think that, you know, I'm a really big fan on, you know, take whatever opportunity you can. And so getting your foot in the door, you know, is being that knock analyst, but you want to, you know, grow up to, you know, do GRC, then um, we're going to help you make that transition. Lynn, did you want to add anything to that? <laughs> no, Martha covers it all. She, it's like glorious when we do these interviews together. It's wonderful. So... <laughs> No, I have nothing more to add, you know, and with, with that, I mean, it's just going to be a full rounded support structure throughout the entire program. So as they're learning, growing and developing, they're going to have this mentoring component, the support component, they'll be coming to the WESIS conference to be able to have that technical um, conference experience and the opportunity that lies because of that. And then they'll be able to engage with other female veterans that are within the WESIS organization that are also at the conference, part of their fellowship awards, in addition to all the other areas that they're engaging. So it's really just a, a full, well-rounded, supported opportunity for female veterans just to have that, that um, you know, aligning their military career experience and their cybersecurity career experience into these thriving, successful careers. So now for us, when we have these employer partners, they have they are part of our strategic partnership. So we have multiple ways of engaging with corporations within the organization and strategic partnerships are the foundation of all things we says. We build up everything based to the support of our um, strategic partners. They're the employers that come to us that say, yes, inclusion and diversity efforts in the cyber security workforce is a top priority for us. We want to make an impact. We want to get to know your community. We want to recruit from your community, but we also want to learn from it and what retention looks like. And then we want to advance others into other areas of cybersecurity because of it. And so they really support a lot of the programs, all the programs within the organization, including the Veterans um, Apprenticeship Program. But we've had a few strategic partners that said, that they're going to be the employer partners with the Veteran Apprenticeship Program. One right now is Sentinel One. And so our applications for the Sentinel One cohort set up um, actually is on our website right now and they close today. The deadline is today for that application. So April 23rd, it's already here and now. So yeah, if you join um, 
and get on our website, you'll see under initiatives, we have our veterans apprenticeship program and anyone that's watching should certainly, you know, fill out an application and join us in this adventure. I, I love that there's such a core aspect of networking and the people networking aspect of it, not just the technical networking aspect, because today, especially if you're trying to break in or you don't have as much experience, mm -hmm. it's that people network that's going to help you get that next role because mm -hmm. they could see your passion. They could talk to hiring managers. They could make those connections behind the scenes that if you were just going through an ATS, uh, you might not hit the top of the stack. Um, mm -hmm. You don't have your resume phrased the right way. You, you don't have the right experience, but having that 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 collaboration and that connection of people is really critical. Um, it absolutely is. A, a lot of times, like within WESIS, we're all about creating a community even within a community. And that's why the mentoring program was set up in cohorts because there's so much more than just that mentor-mentee relationship, that cohort itself, that's your professional, that's your core group. Like my mentoring cohorts, there's six of us and we meet every single month and we love that time together. And we learn and grow from each other's experiences. And I really think opening up the mindset and reducing the barriers to learn and grow from others' experiences, but plus that's a core group of people that now we're all advancing in our careers in some aspect together, that will remain that a networking opportunity, a community for those individuals that participate in the mentor-mentee program. And then you look at the apprenticeship program. Again, another group of people. You look at the AWS game day, it was, we limited it to 300 individuals. That was an opportunity for them to have one-on-one -on -one time with the AS or AWS security team. So there's like another group of people that are networking or student chapters or syncing up and working together or professional affiliates. It's all about finding your people. I know in 2018, when I went to my first WESIS conference, that's where everything in my career landed when I was there. It all made sense at that moment in time. And I was part of WESIS prior to that. I just couldn't go to any of the conferences. It was just always conflicts in my schedule. Then when I went, I was like, aha, here we are, we have arrived. And so many others feel that way. Um, and then you're able to you know, grow yourself professionally and personally because of that. Okay. Um, uh, Martha, one of the questions that came in while you were talking was about like really specific niches like digital forensics and things like that. Um, are parts of that apprenticeship program go that deep into specific niches or is it more like uh, get to know a little bit about everything, but maybe not niche down that much? Yeah, so the way that our apprenticeship works is um, you would apply for like, say, software developing apprenticeship or cybersecurity or Microsoft Dynamics. And then within that, each batch has a different employer partner that is sponsoring that training and doing the hiring. So um, currently, we just have the seven roles I listed. We don't have digital forensics, but it doesn't mean we won't, you know, in our next batch. Okay, okay. And then um, one of the other questions that that came to my mind as you were as you were talking about this, as individuals complete their two years, do they then typically stay on with that employer? Have you seen that trend that they stay on with that employer? Yeah. So you know, Smoothstack is pretty new. Um, I've I'll say this: I've been doing apprenticeships for seven years. Um, mm -hmm. 
And this is the most successful model I've ever been um, a part of. Um, we have, I think, 116 um, apprentice total in our first you know, year and a half in doing this, which is, is huge. Um, I did an apprenticeship with, a, with another state and, and the whole the university system. I think we had like six the first year. Um, it, they can be really difficult to get off the ground. Um, so um, we're growing really, really, really fast. Um, but we, we've only graduated a few people from the two years so far. What we're seeing is six-figure salaries. We have a group right now that are negotiating their salaries. Um, most are getting multiple job offers. And so one, of course, you know, Smoothstack wants to offer them a job and retain that talent. And so we'll offer them, you know, 85,000 up to well beyond, you know, um, 100,000. I don't want to give a number, but um, up there. And then we give, we, you know, we'll help pay for their college. Um, and so, you know, we can offer them a job. Um, most of their employers are wanting to keep them. And that's a big benefit to employers in general is, you know, apprentices are loyal. If you, if you have someone and you're paying for them to be trained and you're putting all of this time and effort into them, the average apprentice stays three to four years. And um, that's because they want to. They're getting so much out of it. Um, and that's a big deal in cybersecurity where, you know, people are turning over very, very, very quickly. Some of the challenges that we've seen in the post that when we've talked about internships and um, you, you, of course, you have those people that go, oh, we don't have the time to invest into training up these people. We need people that hit the ground running. Um, mm -hmm. what, what, are, what are some of your responses when you see things like that? Yeah, so I'm 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 kind of a, a money person. <laughs> I always I look at the ROI, the finances to go like, does this make sense? Because I think human behavior is we all have this idea of um, you know we want to do good and you know programs sound like a good idea, but we're not going to continue it unless the ROI is there, right? Unless you know there's a benefit for all parties involved. And this is where I was saying you know earlier, there's only so many ways to have an apprenticeship. If a college or a boot camp has an apprenticeship, they make their money from selling the training. So they're going to want to sell their training, have you pay them. And then if they can get you in with an employer, they will, but they've already gotten their money up front. So it's kind of like, I'll pay you now. And then we'll see if I get a job later. Right? So it's, it's a legitimate apprenticeship, but it's, it's a different model. And then, um, you know, our model is we're a single employer apprenticeship. Those typically have, um, training is not as generalized. It's more specific to the job and the job's already there. Cause think of it this way. An employer is not going to want to train you and pay for you to go through training unless they have the job and they're going to have your commitment to stay in the job. Right? So the one thing that we do ask for is we ask for a two year commitment to stay on the job because you're getting that give or take $20,000 of training and a lot of people invest in their time. So I always tell people that's kind of the one downside to it is, you know, it is a two-year commitment. Um, there are plenty of apprenticeships out there that are more entry-level in IT that only have a one-year commitment. I would say it's not typically in cybersecurity. It's very much um, more like um, IT admin, you know, kind of a help desk role, typically. And at the end of the one year, they have a pretty good unemployment rate because they still don't have everything that they need to be successful in the industry. And so I end up getting a lot of those um, graduates from those programs, you know, coming to us too. So I'm not sure if I answer your question because honestly I don't remember what you asked, but I did talk a lot. So that should count. Well, half of it. I, 
I mean, it tackles the concerns that some some in business have that they have to invest in uh, these candidates and that um, whether there's that loyalty and that commitment, um, knowing that there's that that expectation from those candidates that there's a two year commitment that that makes a lot of sense, because when you go into it and you're getting this training and you have that two year commitment, then it makes a lot more sense, because often with internships, it's. 90 days, six months at the most, um, mm-hmm. and then you lose them. Um, so I think once once you integrate that that two-year longevity model, now you can start to see the ROI from that investment um, and spending that time in it. So it, it, I, from a business perspective, it makes a lot more sense than just a plain old internship program. Yeah, I mean, so, you know, our, the, the employers, um, partners that we have, they're not getting out of this cheap. You know, they're, they're paying for this. Um, but what they're getting out of it is they're getting, you know, high, high diversity because we put a lot into our, you know, um, community partnerships to fill the funnel with diverse candidates. We're doing a lot of testing. And so we can show that our average apprentice is starting out day one at a two, three year seniority level. And we continue to track them and test them during it. So they're not getting someone like in off the street that's brand new or from a boot camp that did a pay to play model that has varying levels of output. Um, they're tested, they're proven, they're shown. We actually curate whole entire cohorts um, of people and train them specifically for the employer. And we don't charge the employer a penny um, until they actually say, yes, they want to put our apprentice on project and then they pay us. So then we kind of back pay ourselves. So it really puts the responsibility on Smoothstack to recruit well, to select well and to train well, or we don't get any of our money back. Um, and it incentivized the apprentice to, you know, really put their all into it and train well and prove themselves. Um, and so, but then the apprentice, we pay them well. So they're being paid pretty, you know, year one, um, they're getting paid. Well, I'll say they're getting paid 55,000 minimum plus full benefits and all the training. And then year two, 60 minimum, um, but most get a little bit more. Uh, and then, you know, the, all the benefits and the training too. So year one, they're making typically what they would make if they were first year in industry. Year two, they're making a little bit less. But then again, they have that, you know, the mentorship and the professional development. They wouldn't be able to get that job otherwise. So, you know, it's, it's a give and take. Um, but we really pride ourselves on we're not here to be the cheapest model out there. We're here to be the best model out there. And, you know, everyone benefits um, and everyone has a commitment. I love it. I love it. Lynn, any uh, closing words from the WESIS point of view? You know, just join our community. If you haven't done so already, stay up to date on our newsletters. We get opportunities like rapid fire. So the best way to stay up to date is through um, subscribing. Martha has the URL up there. So subscribe to our newsletter or follow us on LinkedIn, Facebook group, Facebook page, Twitter, you name it. We're all out there um, doing good things and become part of the community. And if this apprenticeship program resonates with you, please apply to become a part of it. Um, and then we have other ways of joining the WESIS community too. So we'd love to have you. Perfect. Well, thank you both so much for your time today. Truly appreciate it. And hopefully you get a lot more people signing up for apprenticeship and then as well as using this as a model that we can replicate across the industry because um, while you guys are doing an amazing, you ladies are doing an amazing job. Sorry, Mm -hmm. I should work on on my um, 
pronouns. my pronouns. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Uh, it's something I'm working on. I mean, I, I must admit. Um, uh, so I appreciate that. But I, if we could scale this sort of model, that, that would be amazing for the industry because we definitely need a lot more diversity, a lot more inclusion, a lot more equity across the industry so that we could be successful. So uh, thank you very much for your time, everyone, and have a great day. Thank you, Chris.